Hi, my name is Jean-Pierre and I like being creative. I stumbled upon creativity early in life due to my condition. I realized that there were certain things I couldn't do like every other being, physical activities more especially, and instead of seeing my condition as a limiting factor, I would always figure out a way to still get the desired results without doing what everyone else was doing. Being creative proved to be a very beneficial skill if I may call it that, but I also realized if left unchecked, my creativity was wild and would sometimes get me into trouble, a lot of trouble. I like to think I'm a funny guy, <laughs> well sometimes. I know someone out there listening would want to start arguing, no names necessary, but this is my podcast and I like to think that I'm funny. I am good with words and I'm a sucker for catchphrases, punchlines, metaphors, and really good one-liners. Witty, cheesy, clever, and playful, and sometimes even the most cringe-worthy catchphrases make me happy. But beyond catchphrases, I also love a good quote. I love a great meme. I love how there's probably a meme for almost anything and every situation in life right now. One of my favorite and most popular phrases that I came up with is sleepies for the week. I know, I know. It's supposedly meant to make you feel weak for desiring sleep. I've been throwing around this phrase for years now, most times to support my terrible habit of not sleeping enough and to make it seem like every other person is weak for sleeping, which is crazy, madness. These four words sleep is for the weak, believe it or not, have turned many of my well-balanced sleepers into sleep-deprived, unbalanced and unfocused zombies. You're welcome. I'm just kidding. I owe several people apologies, you know. Why, why would a person who's got a healthy sleeping pattern be convinced to give it up by four simple words? Most importantly, why, why did I start saying sleep is for the week? Why do I say sleep is for the week? Okay, so what comes to your mind when you hear the word myth? M-Y-T-H, myth. Crazy, scary stories from the past? Or a widely held but false belief or idea about something? No? Anyway, almost every aspect of human life has a myth. All myths surrounding it. Certain professions, um, lawyers, uh, who else? Nurses. Ooh, doctors. Priests. Mm, good one. Athletes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, poets. <laughs> yeah, poets. I mean, the list is endless. Uh, what else has a myth attached to it? Um, certain places. I remember when I was still in Zimbabwe, right? In primary school. We used to go to this historic place uh, for our annual school trip called Nyanga. And we used to be warned every time that when we get to these mountains, we should be on our best behavior. If we see certain trees that resembled certain body parts <laughs> and looked funny, I don't know why I'm laughing now. Probably because I remembered that I never laughed all those years. Okay, anyway, so our teachers told us if we saw trees that resembled certain human body parts and looked funny, we should not laugh at all. And if we heard a tree speak to us, we should not respond at all. Otherwise, we would get lost in the mountains of Nyanga and never be found. True story. Facts. I went on several trips. 
I don't think I missed a trip to Nyanga. And on each trip, the teachers were super strict on us. And I must say, the mountains of Nyanga had this presence, ambience about them. I just don't know if all these myths surrounding these mountains were true. Because never having missed a single school trip to Nyanga, you know, I'm here to hear a tree speak to me. The mountains were glorious though. That place was so beautiful. Anyway, I digress. And so, even with my condition comes a bunch of myths. It's not just sickle cell disorder, I believe. Um, I know it's almost every medical condition. When I was a teen, one myth that was predominantly circulating amongst us with sickle cell disorder was that between age 18 to 25 is the most difficult age bracket. And a lot of people with sickle cell die in this age bracket. I remember being told several times that a lot of people with sickle cell don't make it past 25. I remember also not making life plans beyond 25 at some point because of what I was told. I was also told in this age bracket, the crisis are severe and always almost fatal. So when I turned 18, I was already triggered because I figured I was now in a danger zone. Then something happened that took this state of panic into pandemonium. Two distant friends I knew died shortly, maybe a week apart. Both 18, both had sickle cell disorder. When I asked how they died, I was told they died in their sleep. So immediately my antennas were up. From that day, I was afraid of sleeping. I did the math. They were 18. I had just turned 18. They had sickle cell. I had sickle cell. They died in their sleep and I was fond of sleeping by then. Quick math right there. This was during the gap year after grade 12. So I was always home, sleeping a lot, eating a lot. Then somehow, I don't know, I just thought I might be next. And it dawned on me that I might die in my sleep too. Huh. I was so afraid of dying. And I guess that's when the untamed side of my creativity kicked in and gave me this idea to stay awake for as long as possible. But how was I going to do this and also what would I be doing every single night? So the genius in me decided to invent the stay awake game. Back then, Blackberries were the iPhones of, of, of that time. Um, Blackberries had a platform called BBM, which in my opinion was and still is the greatest platform that I've ever used. So with BBM, if you were playing a song or watching a video... On your phone, you had the option of allowing BBM to show the title of what it was that you were listening to in that moment. Pretty cool feature. So I thought of bringing BBM into the equation of my stay away game because one, I didn't mind being on BBM all night. And two, I also didn't want to feel alone at night. I just had this overwhelming fear of not doing anything at night. I figured if I was busy with something at night, then I wouldn't die. So I decided the game had only one simple rule. Starting from midnight, update my BBM status every 15 minutes by listening to music and allowing BBM to show what I was listening to. I had this BBM contact who was my ultimate arch nemesis and I knew he would bite the bait. I told him about it and he was the first person to join in. We placed bets 
And I remember the first time midnight came and the game was on. Every 15 minutes, we updated our statuses. And then other night owls started texting and asking what was up with these updates. So I told them, there's this cool stay away game that I'm playing with so-and-so and I want to win, blah, blah, blah. So other people thought it was cool, joined in, and that's how we got more people to play. Before you know it, I was always up on BBM. But then after a while, some people quit the game. But not me. I was literally staying awake to save my life. The game eventually died after a very long, successful run. But this I know for certain. For me and others, our sleeping patterns haven't been the same ever since. Though the game had died, I still would be awake on BBM late at night and when people asked why I never slept with the game being over and all, my response all of a sudden became sleepies for the week. I don't even know how I came up with that. I just remember I said it once in the heat of the moment and somehow it had the desired effect on the person I said it to because I remember she never went to sleep after that, you know, which was weird because she had told me she's about to sleep. I vividly remember having two sets of contacts. Those I spoke to during the day and those I had somehow recruited to stay awake at night with me. I've never told this story before and telling it now and seeing how destructive I was to myself and others pretty much scares me. In the first episode, I did mention uh, how hurt people hurt people, right? I guess this is another example of how I was hurt by the pain of losing two friends and This hurt, this pain somehow opened the door for fear to creep in and this fear turned into a destructive behavioral pattern. And I know a lack of sleep also brought on other unhealthy patterns in my life. And also, because I was fearful, I didn't want to feel alone at night, I ended up dragging others into this mess, you know? who knows who they also recruited this this habit of packaging the core flaws in one's character in my character that is and branding it into something seemingly less alarming to others is something i became good at and i think over time i got tired of doing nowadays i'm more aware of it if anything i see too now more than ever in others as well on these various platforms at our disposal the memes we laugh at, um, the quotes we share as subliminals to whoever, the clips that we make go viral, the I don't know who this is for, but you know who that is for. Come on. I now see each platform as a classroom. Everyone is a teacher now. Everyone is trying to show you or trying to teach you something. Someone is teaching you how to make money. Someone is trying to teach you how to save your money. Someone is trying to teach you how to dance. Others are teaching you how to dress. Others are teaching you how to get into relationships. Some teachers are doing amazing work on these platforms and they need to be applauded for it. I wish I had a, you know, effect for for applause right now. Anyway, we'll figure it out. And at the same time, other teachers are teaching from a place of pain, you know, because they're, they're hurting. And just like I did... Instead of being honest and saying I'm hurting because of the loss of my two friends who were my age and had the same condition as I do. And somehow I feel their loss has made me become fearful in thinking that I might be the next one. Instead of saying that and being honest, what did I do? I packaged this into something that seemed a little less alarming. Uh, A simple phrase which was so far from the truth 
and I started saying sleepies for the week. Genius. And for sure, others are packaging their pain in, in songs, in tweets, in short videos, and they're recruiting a lot more, you know? I know you may not be as extreme as I was in creating the whole game, packaging it, and delivering it in a catchphrase. I hope you're deliberate with your words to yourself and others. And I also hope you're shrewd in choosing prominent voices that are of major influence in your life. Especially those you don't have a privilege of walking in close proximity with. We live in such a visual age, you know. Never has it been easier to look a certain way, act a certain way, and stand for certain things publicly and yet be far from it realistically. Marketing, packaging, brand image, a lot of phrases we're so accustomed to now. Understand that sometimes they are just that. Phrases. For the most part, like I say, they are just phrases. Just like, um, sleep is for the week. At the core of one of my most famous catchphrases, sleep is for the week, was an underlying insecurity that the catchphrase waxes over. A typical eye candy wallpaper over cracked walls, if I might say. So, what would I like to say? I like to say be strict with who you listen to. It does not all come from a healthy place. Test the walls you drink from. Question the wisdom you depend on. Scrutinize the content you consume. Search for motives. For where you know the motive, you know the spirit. And, and test every spirit. I just had a thought. If hurt people hurt people, can it then be say that healed people heal people? <laughs> Not quite the play on words, I know. I might be pushing it a little bit. But you get it, right? So, stay healed. Someone's healing may depend on it. Someone's healing may depend on you. And just this week, I was told to avoid being busy all the time. Busyness is not equal to fruitfulness. A lot of us are busy in this fast-paced world, but a lot of us are not yielding fruit to match how busy we are. Chase good health. Everything that is healthy bears fruit. A healthy tree bears fruit, uh, a healthy well has sweet water, and a healthy soul saves others. Stay healthy, stay fruitful, stay pain-free. A wise old man once said to me, son, always tell the truth. Say whatever you have to say as long as you know it's true. Besides, he added, you never have to remember the truth for it to always be the truth. People remind me of things I've said to them over the years. People remind me of what I've said in my poems. Now they remind me of what I say on this podcast. Most times I think to myself, when did I say that? Well, now I'm saying this. I'm saying if you've ever paid attention to what I say to you, I pray this be the thing you remember the most. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. It only takes a spark to set off a forest fire. By our speech, we can 
ruin the world. This tongue is a hellish fire, the most dangerous part of our human body, corrupting the entire body. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. Here's the evidence. Just look at the destruction in our world, in our homes, in our families, in our relationships. As much as it burns, however, this tongue also gives life. Both life and death are in the power of this tongue. I hope when you smack your lips together before you speak, you enjoy the taste of life more than the taste of death. And when it's time to listen, I hope you can guard your heart. Guard your heart. Even for me.